Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. You're listening to Theater in College Hoops. I'm Subi. Alongside me is Taylor Dammel, and wait for it. We got the shark back. The shark's back off underwater, or above water, I should say. He's back. We're brought to you by Dash Radio and the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device you use. I actually heard Rashid Suleiman subscribed, former Duke shooting guard and also Maryland shooting guard. He subscribed, so you should as well. Check out the website at thebarnburner.com. That's the-barnburner.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the seat is and Taylor at Taylor Dammel. And Shark, where are you at now? What's your what's your new handle? Uh, that's a good question. Just got it fired up the other day. Uh, the underscore shark underscore double B rolls off the tongue. That yeah, rolls yeah. off the tongue. A lot of underscores. A lot of a lot of just straight words. <laughs> we'll follow him too. We're sponsored by Blue Note, artfully crafted small batch bourbon, distilled in Memphis and honoring the Memphis Blues. Be noteworthy, Memphis. Big guys back, Baba Ganoush special. Where you been, Father? Where you been? Uh, you know, I've been all over. You know, it was a tough end of the year for me. Um, I came on the show. We had the recap of my trip to Louisville. Um, I went there to watch the Vols play in the Sweet Sixteen game. Carson Edwards, you know, he put me in a body bag, and I, I really never recovered. So I spent this summer trying to recenter myself a little bit. I traveled around the States, uh, visited a few different cities. Um, and, uh, you know, I tried to turn off the game for a while, but I, I, am getting back into the game right now. I'm fired up for the season, the season to start. And, you know, that also required, I wanted to burn everything to the ground. So I got rid of the old Twitter and I started a new Twitter. Uh, so we're really, um, starting fresh here. Is that where we last left you? Carson Edwards and Ryan Klein. Carson Edwards doesn't even have well, the same hair anymore. I might, I might have done another sh- show or two after that, but I'll be honest with you, Father. Like, I that wasn't me. That was <laughs> I, I didn't recognize myself. Um, that game, that game. I hope no one ever has to experience that game. <laughs> well, if you listen to our Pac-12 preview, uh, we kind of went through that game in our lives. Subi and I did. Yeah, so you know what? I. I I tried to gather the uh, six or seven other guys that also listened to that Pac-12 preview. Um, we all got together in a room and we, we we shared our thoughts about it. But yeah, it was great, and I'm glad you guys are able to uh, get some talking points out of out of such a debacle in my personal life there. So thank you very much. Well, I mean, we weren't there live actually, so I would give the nod to Shark here in terms of pain. Or you might have been there. You were there live, Taylor, right? You were in Central right. Center. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was. That's true. So you two can commiserate. I, I was able to just watch from afar, but I, I couldn't find anybody I was with for hours afterwards because everybody just got up and left and didn't even communicate with each other. Can I get a baby shark? Shark? You're in DC. Yeah. I, Nationals that, guy. 
honestly, man, I was at the I was at the parade. I'm so sick of that thing. And it, it was a cool rallying call to get people going. I went to game three of the NLCS. So I, I thought it was cool when Gerardo Parra first brought it in, but it's like, holy shit, man, just cut it out. You don't want your you know your your seminal moment when you're standing on the on the stage at your parade with the whole city looking at you and you want to get everyone going with a baby shark chant. Like, come on. You know what I mean? there's so many other great memories from people standing up there in front of their city. You got Madsen doing the dance. You got uh, J.R. Smith taking his shirt off and the Washington Nationals are doing this, like their, fin- their fingers up and down, like doing a little, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So those are the two greatest moments that come to mind right away in championship history well, is I- Mark Madsen dance and J.R. Swish taking his shirt off. Strictly in that, specific scenario when they're on the stage at the end the parade's over everybody's we're all going to one spot we're all in that spot everybody look at the team they're up on the stage someone does something weird those are the two things that i thought of that were weird um i could probably get a few more uh, if you give me uh, some time but you know those parades always end with it's almost like john calipari starting every season with that they're just kids speech at halftime those parades always end with and we're going to do it again next year. And then nobody no, ever does. Nobody no, you're, ever does. you're 100% right. And you guys you guys called the uh, the Calipari kids speech when you did your preview on the SEC, um, which I thought was a shitty preview. Uh, no offense, but you guys got to – why, why, I mean, why are you so high on Arkansas? It's like, have you seen this team play? You, you're just banking on – you're going to do this again? You're going to do it again with muscle milk? Are you kidding me? Absolutely. <laughs> are you insane? He turns around yeah. programs. Did you right, see what man. he did in the three years he was at Nevada? I, I don't know. And you're you're t- you're just writing off LSU. LSU's not dead. You know, everyone talks about Naz Reed as if he was this the the centerpiece of that offense. And he was he was kind of a stiff. Let's call him what he was. <laughs> why didn't you, hey. Why don't you join us? You should have just joined us. I, I told you I was in mourning. I mean, can we move on? Can we let it go? We can move I mean, on. Actually, BC hey. with a nice win. Yeah, I mean, that was a great night. I mean, they're they're, they're going to be sitting on top of the ACC for like a month, so <laughs> it's going to be it, it's going to be Duke and Boston College sitting right there. And North Carolina, they won tonight. Um, well, you're technically tied with Virginia Tech atop the ACC. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm and Georgia it. Tech too. Yeah, and probably Virginia later on tonight. All right, so whatever, you get my point. I'm tied for first. Fuck you. <laughs> and Kai Bowen, Bowman is uh, on the defending champ starting. That's all you need to say. Leave out the rest of the context. Nah, the, the offense runs through him in Golden State. <laughs> what did Steve Kerr say tonight? He said, I think he said before the game to Kai Bowman when he was going to guard James Harden, good luck, I believe yeah. is all he said tonight. Well, Kai Bowman didn't do a lot of guarding of anyone in the ACC. So <laughs> I think it was a great matchup to put him on, the greatest scorer uh, in our generation. Let's dive into the Champions Classic from last night. Duke and Kansas, Michigan State, Kentucky. Two sloppy games, to be perfectly honest with you. Two very, still very good teams. I mean, they're the top four teams in the country, obviously, but very sloppy. It's what you've come to expect uh, in the first in this tournament, actually, if you think about it, because it's it's a bunch of freshmen. If you if you got Duke and, and Kentucky. They're just kids, Subi. They're just kids. We've got okay. a, bunch, a bunch of kids out there in Madison Square Garden. Tons of turnovers. I think Kansas had 18 turnovers in the very first half. 28 which, total, yeah. And I'll, I'll, we'll dive into Duke and Kansas first. Uh, let's not read into too much about either of these teams. I was getting texts left and right and seeing tweets that they stink. Uh, not ready to go that far. It's just the very. It's just the first game of the season, and I will say the biggest thing that I took away from it was this is a good win for Duke, and Trey Jones stepped up in the clutch. He stepped up more, in my opinion, than Cassius Winston did in that second game. It was a good win for Duke, but if Kansas doesn't turn the ball over like a thousand times, they win that game. Yeah, I wasn't really impressed with any of the four teams. If I was going to pick a team I was most impressed with, it was probably Kentucky. And that was just because of my new favorite player in college basketball, Tyrese Maxey. But I, I, it's tough to tell because if you look at across all the games last night, and there were like 128 games or something ridiculous last night, you try and I try to watch as many as possible, but one can only have so many devices in front of them at one time while you watch all of them. You know, the four worst teams I probably watched 
from an execution standpoint, were all playing in the Champions Classic. That being said, they were the only people also playing competition last night. So I get that. The turnovers for Kansas definitely concern me in a way. And subsequently, I guess, or on the other side of that coin is the fact that Duke couldn't really pull away when they when Kansas was given given the ball over to him 28 times. It was really kind of the trepidation we had about Trey Jones before this year in, in terms of naming him the you know ACC player of the year or how far Duke is going to go. Obviously, there's a lot of room for improvement. There's a lot of, of games left to play. But I think that a couple of the things that we saw that maybe we had issue with on our previews and leading up to the season kind of came to fruition right away in the Kansas and Duke game. Trey Jones did hit the biggest shot of the night, though. And sure. I, I, I yeah, was not sure. expecting him to do that. It, 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 it was a very still sloppy went, game, though. Still went 0-4 from three, just mm-hmm. like every oh. other game in his career. You yeah. know? So Trey, Jones, it, it, Trey Jones can't shoot the three for, for shit, but he's a lockdown defender. And when it came down to hitting a big mid-range shot, I didn't think he'd be able to do that, and he did. Right. And I'm not sure. I don't know. Uh, like we said, we can beat this horse to death to say it's the first game of the year. But I was impressed maybe more with Duke in the first half than I was in the second half as a whole uh, with Carey and uh, Cash Stanley. And those guys looked good in the first half, but I I felt like they kind of, I don't know if disappear is the right word, but it, there wasn't a lot. There just really wasn't a lot to take away offensively from either of these teams because it was just so sloppy and ugly the whole game. Yeah, Tyrese Maxey was the was the stud of all four teams and he was the king of that that court uh, uh but Cassius stanley and vernon carey impressed me and i think i kind of went off the deep end i think you shot your wad way early like literally first 10 minutes of the college basketball season you blew your wad that early this year i did and i'm i'm gonna stick by it because i essentially said that cash stanley and vernon carey Sneaky reminded me of when they were their performance reminded me of Zion and RJ Barrett. And then one of our followers, the theater goer, let me know that Cassia Stanley and Vernon Carey combined for like 21 points, whereas 20, RJ 24. And, I mean, yeah, whatever. And RJ and Zion combined for 61. I believe Zion and, and RJ had the most points ever by a freshman duo in their first game last year and you compared uh, a duo that scored 24 entire points for a whole NCAA basketball game to the number one and number three pick in the draft. Let's correlate that then with expectations because RJ Barrett and Zion had these crazy high expectations. I, I suppose you could say they met them last year with 61 <laughs> combined points. I would say no, they, went, they, they exceeded say, their expectations. They exceeded their expectations not last a, year. N- not according to shark. You remember that take you had last year? I mean, I heard you guys talking about it beforehand, and they, what did they do last year? I, I mean, I know they they almost lose to what was it? Uh, Central uh, was it? Yeah, Central. Central it was Central Taco. Florida, right? yeah, yeah, it was Taco yeah. Fall. Like they should have lost that game. The only reason they won that game was because Zion got that end one at the end of the game, which you're naturally going to say, "Oh, Zion made the play." But no, it was it, yeah. it was it was it should have been it should have been going the other way, if I remember correctly. It, exactly. And then they just were on edge throughout the entire tournament. And if this is if he's supposed to be the transcendent this LeBron type player, then I, I wouldn't expect it to be that close. And I would say the same thing for Cam Reddish. I would say the same thing for RJ Barrett. They they just never took the 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 game by storm um and you know to loop that into what we're talking about this year when, when i first look at the teams and you know you want to you want to predict who's going to win uh you want to find the value bit and like what what who's my winner 12 to 1 odds what, who, who should i predict here i i walked away from it just being incredibly underwhelmed with the the teams on the surface when you first look at it and then last night just even supplanted that point like are, these teams aren't that good they were, they're really not. And these are supposed to be the top four teams that we're looking at. And we're supposed to look at these four and th- think, all right, these are the ones that we should expect in the final four. And I can't help but just feel underwhelmed with, with the state that we're at right now, which means that, I mean, that doesn't mean that that's going to be the case throughout the entire season. Um, that means there's opportunities for other teams to slide in that we not, might not be thinking about right now. But when I look at, you know, Duke not having that go-to perimeter scorer or an interior scorer, 
And the same thing with Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky just seems like they're going to be playing small, you know, one-on-one fancy basketball, not what we're used to out of Kentucky. And then even Michigan State, uh, you know, I, you know, I, I, I like Cassius Winston, but come on. Like you're you're a good college point guard. You're you're good within that system. I don't think you're going to be enough to carry anyone anywhere. And he wasn't against Texas Tech in the Final Four last year. And then we'll wrap it up with Kansas. When you have no clue who's going to even be playing for Kansas in two months or so. So I'm glad you know, man. They all seemed really disorganized. On it was kind of maybe the way to put it. And I I think I was least impressed. I think you're exactly correct. Although. He's a consensus All-American. Cassius Winston was the worst, not the worst, but he underperformed. All the other preseason All-Americans performed at or above their level. Like, Noara had 23 and 14 last night. Uh, Wiseman had, what, 28 and 11. All these other guys that were, uh, Marcus Howard at 38 and 5, all these in mean, monster wins. And I get it, We they played you know, like the sisters of the poor last night for the most part. But Michigan State, I think, was maybe the least impressive of the four teams last night. And Cassius Winston was probably the least impressive of uh, of the people that we anticipate being All-Americans this year. I agree Cassius was a little bit underwhelming because I was so high on Winston, especially during our Big Ten preview. I essentially said, give him the player of the year. You might even give him Naismith player of the year for the entire country. But they were underwhelming as a team, sure, but when are they ever impressive to start the season? We, right, we, I, think, we I think that's that what well. we said. Yeah, that's what we always none say. Of us, right. None of us are shocked that they lost. I, I thought they would win last night, but no, it, none of it was shocking. I, I well, thought they. I think that's the point: is people think there's there's preseason number one, so people think that there's they've made this leap, and I don't know what they've done to get so much better versus the team that they had last year. Cassius Winston. He's not that athletic. I mean, let's call it what it is. He's not a very athletic point guard. And then uh, looking back on the team that Michigan State had last year, you know, McQuaid was awesome for them. McQuaid's gone. They had big Nick Ward. I don't think he's there anymore. Did he play at all last night? No, they they, they don't have Ward. But they have some other beefy forward. They just got another beefcake that they throw in there. But I I don't know. They, they need more. And then Langford's going to be out until next year anyway. So that literally puts them yeah. in the exact same spot that they were last year. But all of a sudden, we're graduating them to number one in the nation. Well, don't you think that in the college basketball setting, though, there is gradual improvement from a year-to-year standpoint? It's It's, you know, we look at some of the other teams that we predicted to be good this year, specifically because of that gradual improvement that we anticipate them making this year and i think you would still rather at least from a, a predictive standpoint think that a team is going to get better as they get older rather than inserting a bunch of young talent that we don't necessarily know anything about yet uh, i i just think the history would say it's a little different than that when you look at the kind of the past winners um uva being an exception because uh, those guys obviously were on the team for a little bit but for the most part the winners in the past are guys that were kind of immediately thrust in there, and there was one no, or two pieces no, that were constant. No, I, I don't know. I didn't. Villanova? Yeah. North, North Carolina? North Carolina with that Joel Berry team? Okay, but what I'm saying is the one or two pieces that just happened to be there. So Villanova, looks, um, the one constant in both of those teams was uh, Phil Booth, right? Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson. Yeah, Brunson won too. Pascal. I don't know yeah, if he was on both the, of those. The Golden, the Golden State Warriors' best player, Eric Pascal. Yeah, well, he was good. Uh, <laughs> but even – so Pascal, was he – I don't know. We, we could get in – I don't have it in front of you. But I generally would think um, what else is Michigan State bringing into it? Because you, you, obviously Cassius Winston was the one guy that came back. But what else do they have that came back and is developing along with Right. I think it was Aaron's and also Aaron Henry. Th- those are the three big guys that they're going to be relying on. And they didn't – none of them really played well particularly. And then they had one three-point shooter who has a really weird left-handed stroke. I forget Ooh, his name. Is that, is that Xavier Tillman? No, no, no. No. It's, it's uh, a, his, I think his last name begins with a B. I'm not sure. But I think you do have a point, Shark, in saying that you know, I am always one that that errs on the side of, well, this team should improve because every year in college basketball, as you get older, you should improve. That's not to say that a team can't stagnate at their – because we've seen how many players for all of our schools or all of the years that we watched where 
they peak their like sophomore year and then never get any better. You look at even some of the starting fives that we did of our favorite players in the previews, someone like an Hakeem Warwick or Josh Childress, two people that I took in my starting fives across different conferences. They had better stats as they grew, but they weren't necessarily any better after like their sophomore year. No, so I think, it, happens yeah. all, it happens all the time. You can take a Michigan State team, for example, Denzel Valentine. He was there forever, and then he had the one year he loses in the second round. Tennessee, the team with Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield, they were supposedly supposed to grow together, and Tennessee doesn't make it past the Sweet 16. Then you uh, you can go to the other – Nevada, Subi, your boy, Muscle Milk. They were the darling the one year. Everybody comes back, and then they suck the following year. So there's plenty of examples of that. And I want to actually – I can use this opportunity right now because I think the team that's perfect example for that this year that you guys were just slobbing their balls on, and I don't know where you're, you're – <laughs> I, I get it because it's a popular pick. And I think oh, can I it. guess? Can yeah. I guess? Can yeah. I guess? Yes. Seton Hall. No, I love Seton ah, Hall. Yeah. Damn Miles, it. Miles Powell is not getting a lot of credit. <laughs> it's Louisville. So everybody's all over Louisville. Everyone's saying Jordan Noir and Jordan Noir. Okay, great. Um, why, why is Louisville all of a sudden going to win the national championship? I never said they were going to win the national championship. You said they were going to win the ACC. I did say okay. they were going to win the ACC. Doesn't okay, necessarily so they're, mean they're, they're going to win the title. Than, they're better than Duke and North Carolina now? You just yeah. told me Duke wasn't that impressive. After last night, maybe. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Maybe not. I still don't Carolina was down like seven to Notre Dame at you home. Guys, let me ask you, what, were you guys going to Louisville and watching their practices this summer? Like, where do you get off thinking that you know that Louisville is going to make this leap into the, the, the cream of the crop of the ACC? Because I know what you're doing. You're just looking at what the pundits are picking, and then you're you know putting your name on it as well because you think it's a popular, trendy pick. And I think you're an idiot for doing that. Because, yeah, Jordan Noir is a great player. I actually – I've watched him play a whole bunch of times. He's a shooter. He shoots, and he's big, so he happens to get a lot of rebounds. He's soft. He's a, he's a finesse-type guy, all right? And everyone else that's on their team, they were bench players last year, and they had a good recruiting class this year. So why all of a sudden do we think, okay, that's, that's good enough to beat Duke and North Carolina and UVA and all the other elite teams in the ACC? And my final point is that same team, that Louisville team last year, do you know what the all these guys that they're supposed to grow and develop? Do you know who they played in the first round of the tournament last year? I forget. Hit me. Hit they, me. Played, they played Minnesota in that first game on the Thursday, and they got the shit beaten out of them by a Rick Pitino Jr. coached Minnesota team that had no talent whatsoever. And they wiped the floor with your golden Louisville Cardinal. And that's going to, I can't believe people are calling them the trendy national title pick this year. I'm not break. going. I'm not going that far as to call them a national title, but you I think you're also. Right. I think you're also forgetting about Chris Mack. Well, no, I'm not. He was a coach last year too. I I know. I I feel like you're not yeah. giving him credit for his performances in the tournament. He took a, a Xavier team to the Elite Eight. Dude, give him, I, give him I, more I, than a year or two to develop. You give you want me coach Xavier in in one of the, any two thousand year. I can probably get him to the Sweet Sixteen. It's just going <laughs> to be one of those teams. You know, you, you go coach Xavier, you go coach Butler. You're going to get a Sweet Sixteen run. You're going to <laughs> you're going to have some you know magic in you. It's not that impressive. Your boy Sean Miller okay. did him as well. That's what I'm okay. saying. Those yeah, are okay, so why? I've been working out. All right, so why? Why? Also, real quick, Sean Miller wins his conference quite a bit of times. All right. So why is, like, Duke, for example, since you brought it up, a better pick than Louisville this year? We saw a lot of their shortcomings last night. Complete track record. Just the track record of how this works. They never never win the ACC. Okay, fine. They they haven't won the ACC in almost a decade. All right, so UVA, I would expect to have a a fall-off because they're losing three. Well, yeah, right, right. right. Duke, their recruiting class is still going to – what they do is they replenish it. UVA is going to take some time. So I'm automatically going to say Duke is going to have a better advantage to do that over UVA. And Duke is consistently near the top. Now, North Carolina, same rationale. They got the best player in the world to play for them this year. And – because we don't know the names yet. Nobody knows the names yet. Even the guy on Duke, he barely even played that, Joey Baker. That guy was going to be a star. So I think Duke is going to have a ton of talent, and I think it's just naive. We're only doing Louisville because we're comfortable saying Louisville is homegrown and they're going to get there, and they haven't proven anything. Did we not see the amount of talent that Duke had last year and they still didn't win the ACC? Right, kind of to your point that you originally brought up is that they, even though the impressive debut they had, and I think an important distinction to to discuss, and I think we discussed that multiple times across all of our previews, is 
winning the conference doesn't mean that they're the best team at the end of conference play. Yeah, that, that's 100% true. I mean, you, you can look – the SEC is the, the breeding ground for looking at that. Anyone who wins oh, the yeah. actual regular season, they're right. not going to win the tournament. You know, it just never right. worked out that way. They just happen to win by, you know, attrition, holding on the longest and having the best record. Um, but, you know, I, I, I don't see Louis, – if Louisville – I guess this will be my Zion stance of the year, but if Louisville is going to be the – beat out the Dukes and North Carolinas and Virginias of the ACC, then um, – Good luck. Well, so here's my thing. I, I've, I've absolutely no issue with coming. Like, if you were to propose, let's say, a Carolina that, that'll win the ACC, I could entertain that and, and hear you out. But we're going based off of the track record. And if you were bringing up track record and talent for Duke, it clearly doesn't work, work out to a regular season ACC title. Which it, they they, they have bigger fish to fry, but and okay, we so also the, talked about Virginia having a drop off. So I just don't understand why it's so inexplicable that Louisville of those like where does Louisville rank? Do you think amongst the the cream of the crop in the ACC? I, I think my better question should be: You guys asked me why Duke, why Louisville? To, to take these two teams as an example, you you both I guarantee remember the game last year. It was in Louisville. They were killing them in the first half. Yeah, we and I've it. never seen a oh, team yeah. shrivel. In a moment, more maybe outside of Subi and I growing up playing basketball against some inner city school when we're facing a full court press. But that is what these are the same guys on that team, right? These are the same ones that you, you two, I'm looking at. Just adopt the idea of these talking heads out there and just throw it out there because I know you aren't watching Chris Max practice and you're only doing this because Noir has got fancy numbers and their recruiting class look good. What are you watching? K's practices? Are you watching Roy yeah. Williams practices? Uh, Tony yeah. Bennett's? I told I told you I took the summer off. What do you think I was doing? Yeah, yeah, he did yeah. say he visited different cities in the country. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, I, true. I mean, I led with that. I, I, <laughs> I, I laid the foundation for it. All right. So I, 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 yeah, go ahead. So I was going to say, I think my point and, and my point about mainly not the play, the teams that I picked to win the conference, but that was each each of the conferences, but also the coach of the year was I, I generally went with continuity across the board, having an expectation that that continuity would push them up over the top. Will that be right or wrong? I'm not sure, but I do think that had a pretty uh, my track record of the teams that I was picking pretty much had a, a, a normal line of these are the teams that have good returners. Sometimes they had more new guys or not, but a, a continuity across the board. It's why I took like a, or it's why Subi took like a Colorado to win the Pac-12. It's why I took like a Seton Hall to win the, the Big East. It was the continuity across the board. And not that the team will be better in March, but that the lack of continuity might cost a Duke or a Kentucky or a whoever a game in February, somewhere on the road, on a the third or fourth game of a road trip, that they're just going to fall off. It's why I took Purdue, not because of continuity, but because I expected a team like Michigan State to have maybe a fall-off performance because they're preparing for the tournament. It's more so that they might drop a game or two they shouldn't in a conference, rather than them actually being the team with the highest ceiling at the end of conference play. Yeah, I get your point. And, uh, you know, kind of just to put this to bed... Um... Because Sue, I'm sure you got some other topics you want to us <laughs> on, but I, I just don't think Louisville has shown us enough for us to be able to make that quantum leap. I'm looking; at, they finished, I think, seventh or eighth in the ACC last year. Um, just why? why? Why are they all of a sudden better than Florida State? Why are they all of a sudden leaps and bounds better than a Virginia? Um, I, I don't know. And I, I, I get your point. I get kind of the, the foundation of your uh, thesis there, I guess. And frankly, your Seton Hall pick, I think Seton Hall it could be a team. You know, this is just me looking at the teams and looking at the players, you know, the individual players. Seton Hall could be a team that could win it all this year because you could have Miles Powell just go on a Kemba-like run. You could have that happen. You have great defense. You have the shooters around them. It could happen. And that's why this year should be fun. Right. So this is absolutely going to be your Zion take of the year with Louisville. It's not as it's not as bad because I was 100% convinced about Zion after one single game, and you somehow still weren't. But if Louisville goes, goes on to win the ACC, we'll definitely revisit it and talk about it. Two other items I want to talk about last night in these games, the primetime games, I should say. First and foremost, Silvio De Sosa. 
why didn't he play that much? Are they, like, is it the game plan to try and work him in? Because I definitely thought him and Doak were supposed to be this formidable front court, and they go with McCormick, who's 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 effective. But I was expecting a lot more minutes out of DeSosa, and I got to think it's just Rust and Bill Self, maybe trying to use some of some more inferior opponents to to shake off that Rust as opposed to a Duke. I didn't understand that at all because I mean. If you look at anyone's preview plus our preview, he was expected to be not only one of the better players on, on Kansas, but one of the better players in the conference. You'd think that having t- lost two years of the opportunity to play college basketball, essentially, or basketball in general, that last night would have been maybe more of a coming out party. And maybe you're right with a Rust standpoint, but I feel like Rust and college basketball specifically don't aren't necessarily two things that go together because all of these guys are newcomers in a way and it's not like DeSosa or D'Souza hasn't been playing basketball to some degree it's not like he just rolled it's not like he picked up his first ball in two years last night he's been playing he's been practicing he's been playing I don't know how many he played in the final four Right. How many open gyms has this guy been in? I know that's not the same thing as playing in Madison Square Garden. Don't get me wrong, but there still has to be more than seven minutes played by maybe your fourth, third best player. Right. I mean, because that's what we're thinking behind is Dotson and Azubuki are the two best players on the court for them. Right. Yeah, but Dotson, it's, Dotson it's, maybe Garrett, maybe Garrett at the th- at the falling third behind them, but. Yeah. But DeSosa is supposed to be third, or at least competing for third behind that, sure. not seven not seven minutes. And even in that seven minutes, he wasn't bad. He, he, didn't, he didn't make any shots, but he did score three points. He did pour down four boards in seven minutes. Uh, I mean, he, I, I don't know. I, I think that's a great point, guys. I'm not really sure. It's not like Duke has some dominant big man or, or, or anything that – oh, well, he had to go up against a James Wiseman tonight, or he had to go up against someone like that. It's like, no, he went up against, what, Matt Hurt and Who, who isn't whatever. even an interior player? Matthew Hurt's not even an interior player. He's well, right, I'm, you know, you just ball. look at... No, I, I, the, but yeah. their big man isn't a quintessential big man. Yeah, Vernon Carey, who's... Yeah, I mean, that was his first game in college basketball, too. So why would it be that that DeSouza couldn't... Or DeSouza... Is it DeSouza or DeSouza? I, they DeSouza. call him... They, it, they call them. Go by what they call them. A different. Yeah, right. But anyway, I I'm was a little. Okay, I like to Susan myself. Yeah, you're, so you're gonna challenge that. Actually, is the Zion one right there? That's this year's Zion. You're gonna challenge Dan Shulman. I Guy literally with, has pronunciation yeah. notes. I grew up with Sousa's Is what I know. I'm gonna stick. Yeah. With right. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's a great point. I don't know, and maybe that's something that'll mix in. But I think that. I think that even just after one game, it's enough of a talking point. I don't want to call it a red flag, but there's got to be something to the fact that he only played seven minutes last night after what should have been, in my opinion, like kind of a coming out party. Not even from like a, he didn't have to score 20 points and 10 boards, but if he should have played more than seven minutes, so he wasn't in foul trouble. That's what I was expecting. So I'm going to have to keep a close eye on, on his minutes here in the next couple games when, again, they don't play in... MSG when they're not playing up against Duke. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what Bill Self does with him after him having to wait in limbo for what, one and a half, two years. I think it was one and a half years. But yeah, I want to put a bow on the Champions Classic here with the most electric guy of the evening, Tyrese Milk Maxi. Mm. What, what a performance from Tyrese Maxi last night. He did everything for Kentucky, including hit the dagger three. Uh, which reminded us and reminded our friend who actually made the the first observation. He said, "Is Tyreek Maxi Tyrese Maxi the new Malik Monk of Kentucky?" And I actually think that's an awesome comparison because they are. I mean, they they provide that that spark and that last three reminded me very much of the three that Monk hit against North Carolina in the I think it was a lead eight game. Yep. Yep. Where. Uh, Luke May eventually ended up hitting a very basic mid-range jumper to win that game. But uh, Tyrese Maxey, your thoughts. Shark, I'll talk to you first. Did you see any of Tyrese Maxey's performance? I did, and uh, I guess I would say uh, I would hope that Tyrese Maxey doesn't think he's going to be the next Malik Monk because Malik Monk stinks in the NBA. So I, can, I know can, we talk, a- 
Thank yeah. you. All right, fine. But I just wanted to get that out there. I'm he does. But... Aim a little higher there, Tyrese, if outside of Malik Monk. Um, but I think he's uh, he's obviously an excellent shooter. Um, that's not traditionally outside of Malik Monk. It's a great comparison, but that's not the way Kentucky wants to is going to get to the Final Four with uh, performances solely based on the perimeter like that. Um, they need to get more production out of Ashton Hagens if they want to. He, he's going to be the engine for that team as they go forward. Um, but I cool Kentucky, you got a flashy new toy uh, because the, for all intents and purposes, their team last year was pretty pretty boring. Just like a nice old reliable um, souped up Toyota Camry. You know, got some good big men in the middle there. You're going to play good defense every single game. Um, and Big Blue Nation probably wasn't too excited by that. But with respect to Maxi, great. I mean. Uh, I ain't got much to offer on him. I think the most interesting thing about Maxi last night is he didn't start the game. So that's a, it's almost like would Devin Booker be a, a better comp? Because Devin Booker was never a starter on any of those Kentucky teams. That's true. But Devin Booker was also on a Kentucky roster that was absolutely stacked. All right. Yeah. Well, but you, but you look at the roster and you think okay, so you obviously Hagens and Quickly are all are going to start at the guard position. So unless Calipari goes three guards all year long, it's they're going to go more like that uh, end game lineup with three guards, perhaps. And maybe to Shark's point, there that might hurt them or hinder them. Are you thinking that a three guard lineup towards the end of the game perimeter play is going to potentially hurt them, Shark? Is that maybe well, what you're no? At? I just think that. No, um, I, I don't think performances like that are sustainable. I think he was, oh, a, okay. he was sure, a heat sure, check sure. game. Yeah, it was a heat yeah, check sure. game. Um, and Kentucky normally is built on uh, a sustainable offense. And normally it's not even the offense. It's their hounding defense that does it. So when you look at the team last year, they had Reed Travis in the middle of the paint. They had PG, PJ Montgomery right next to him. And then they had Hero being able to shoot. There was a well-balanced team. Right now I don't see any balance whatsoever other than – you know, hoping that Maxi makes a whole bunch of threes. So do, Kentucky do you, is very popular to win it all. I don't, uh, yeah, no, I would, I'd agree with you on that take. Would you think there's any stock in saying that, okay, some people um, embrace the spotlight and other people kind of falter when they're under it? A guy like Tyrese Maxi, first game of his career in Madison Square Garden, everybody else played like shit last night on yeah, all but, four teams except for him. Do you, there's got to be something to that, isn't there? Uh, yeah, but I don't, I'm not ready to crown this guy yet. I mean, let's well, call sir, it Madison sir. Square Garden. You got you got no teams that are based out of New York City, so it's probably who knows how filled it is. It's dark enough; it's probably not even filled in the upper bowl, upper section in Madison Square Garden. He's not on the road. I'd like to see him do that in Knoxville. I'd like to see him do that in Baton Rouge when he's on the road and the team needs a bucket. And uh, yes, I think you have it. But to be honest with you, on Sunday once I got finished drinking a ton of beers and watching the Pats Ravens game, I had no clue who the fuck Tyrese Maxey even was so I I don't know but it was a good first game for him hey maybe it'll keep it up maybe it'll be sustainable but I, I have my doubts and to, to go back to the brief Devin Booker point I mean this guy's not Devin Booker Devin Booker was 6'5 6'6 this guy seems very small very very slender very Malik Monk, and uh, like I, said, I was going I with maybe more of a role than an actual game. Sure, I, I yeah, got fair enough. Um, hey, but, and it was a sellout last night, by the way. So yeah, it's a fuck, sellout. Fuck you on that. <laughs> it was probably a sellout when you combined like both games. So like the they sold out one portion of it, and this like is some you know who who is gonna on say Kansas who's gonna stick around for that second game on a on a Tuesday night at I probably would. Yeah, but well, what, I mean, well didn't you didn't you fly up to if you probably flew to New York just for this event? So, well, or know. nobody flew there, or people just had nothing better to do that night and wanted to go in. <laughs> Champions Classic. We'll put a bow on it. That was. I mean, it was. I would. I will say, taking a step back and looking at it, big picture, it was a bit overwhelming or underwhelming. It was Can an I, underwhelming performance from. I would say all four teams, but that's to be expected. I was most disappointed, I would say, in Michigan State, though, because I don't think they led for any of the second half, maybe. Uh, but they just weren't very good. 
Can I post one more Champions Classic question before we move out of here? Sure. Is the Champions Classic more hype than substance every single year? Absolutely. It's the first game of the year. But uh, we love watching the one versus force uh, play each other, the two versus the three, one versus two. Would you rather see the Champions Classic a week into the season? No. No. No? You still want? Okay. No, no I, that's fine. The, that's yeah, fine. I'm just saying, no. would you rather get them a game or two under so you see them maybe at more of a comfortable performance right, or right at the beginning? No, I mean, I actually okay. kind of enjoy – maybe because I am a, I just love college basketball. Sure. I kind of enjoy sure. all the turnovers. I kind of enjoy the bricks here and there. It's nice to see them feel themselves out, and then you get rewarded with a Tyrese Maxey-type performance. It's, it's like a good 10-7 to 7 football game in like late December. It's like, oh yeah, we gotta mix one of these in every so often, you know. I get yeah, it. I got I put I put no stock in the score of the game whatsoever. I, this is to Subi to go back to the difference um between you and me that was outlined. You care about this stuff. You care about the com- regular season titles and all that stuff. This this means nothing to me. I right? told you this I'm, means nothing I'm a, to me. I'm a, yeah, I know, but it means even less to me than it means to you. Okay. <laughs> no, that could I'm be. A, true. I'm a, I'm a March guy. All right, I'm, a, I'm only my eyes on March. So when I look at Maxi last night, I'm looking at some guy that might shrivel if he gets pegged in that 2 p.m. Friday slot against Murray State, and all of a sudden there's craziness going on. You know, the band saying hey, 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 and they're all over him, and he doesn't know what to do, and he's not quite into it. He doesn't have the big lights in Madison Square Garden going, and all of a sudden he folds. Yeah, so I think Maxi is actually the perfect example of the dichotomy between us because we used Zion last year as the example. And what you're going to say is, oh, he didn't win a national championship by beating every single team by 80, 80 points, although he did have a great run. Uh, and he lost to a really good Michigan State team, obviously. But Tyrese Maxey, I, I love the performance. Allow people to have fun. Let me, let me tell you that, Shark. Allow people to enjoy things. It's okay. I mean, I mean, isn't that part of the joy of college athletics is just overreacting about everything all the and, time? You know, it used to be, and then I just realized that there is no joy in college athletics. No, no, no there really isn't. I, you feel the same I mean, after every year. There's no better example than when anyone asked me, like, oh, my God, you guys went out to that game at Madison Square Garden or at Staples Center. It was like, did you have a great time? And I'm like, no, I had the worst time I've ever had doing anything in my whole life. But am I going to go again next year, though? Yeah. Probably. Probably. Am I ready for the, to be heard again? Not right now, but maybe after a summer visiting different c- cities in the country, maybe I'll be ready to be heard again. That's it's just right. Two and a half to three hours of ass cheeks clenched together that could crack a watermelon. All right. There were some other news and notes in the college basketball world outside of the Champions Classic. I want to touch base real quick on Illinois. Illinois had to go to overtime against Nickel State. Shout out to Ronald Ollie. They had to go wow. to overtime against Nickel State, though. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because Brad Underwood was my preview. Your boy. My your boy. boy. Coach, don't worry. You're, some of your guys didn't play so hot either and coach so hot either. But Brad Underwood, my coach of the year uh, in the Big Ten, not the best start. Alongside him was Fred Hoiberg in the Big Ten, who just got embarrassed <laughs> in his <clears throat> home opener against UC Riverside. And then some other coaches, Kevin Keats, who was my ACC coach of the year. Uh, he lost to Georgia Tech at home. And then your boy, Mark's boy, Nate Oates, they lost. Can I say at least that I did have one prediction of Kira Lewis Jr. making a huge jump, and he had 38-5 and five last night? Is that worth anything? Lewis had 38 also? Him and Mark? 30, oh, 30 okay. comma, or dash, 8 and 5. Uh, yeah, not an awesome night for some of our picks, uh, but I will say I think across the board, it was a pretty good night for the majority of our picks, especially when it comes to like our conference players of the year. Tyrese Halliburton had 12, 7, 14, and 6 last night, a guy that we both picked for our player of the year. Trace Tinkle had 25, 10, and 7, which will, he will, which doesn't fucking matter at all because he plays for Oregon State, but that's the stat line we predicted him to have. We Pretty also much for every game. It doesn't matter because he plays for Oregon State. It, it, right. We just have to hammer that point home. Right. Uh, the one thing that I thought was a little interesting about one of the games last night is, uh, you know, Kerry Blackshear, who's awesome for Florida, had 20 and 10 last night. 
But they didn't dominate a team like North Florida. They only won 74 to 59, something like that. Louisville actually won by a lot. Well, well they dominated Miami. Nawara had uh, 23 and 14. The score was way closer than the game actually was. I think it was only like a 14 or 15 point spread, spread by the end of the game, even though it was like 30 for the majority of the game. But how comfortable are you feeling, Subi? Or actually, let me ask Shark. How comfortable are you with Subi and Mai's picks for our coaches of the year after last night's performances? Well, I, I wish I could intervene when you guys were doing the SEC one to help you out because I hate Nate Oates. And, you know, Taylor, I know you're big on Nate Oates, but I, did you, did you, what were you doing during that game <laughs> in the tournament last year? Did you watch that game? I, I've never seen a more lopsided just manhandling of a team than what Buffalo did versus Texas Tech. And Nate Oates, the best thing he's done since getting to Alabama was somehow convincing Kira Lewis to not transfer because he was going to transfer. Once they fired Avery Johnson, Kira Lewis was halfway out the door. There was actually some thoughts of him getting up to Knoxville. That would have been pretty phenomenal. Uh, but it didn't work out. And whatever Nate Oates did right there, he uh, should put himself in the coach of the year running just for whatever that move was. And whether it was a, a nefarious move or not, he did great by doing that. Because I do think Kira Lewis, and you guys are doing your players of the year, I think Kira Lewis uh, could be the SEC player of the year. This yeah, year. And, that's, and that's, I think, someone who I brought up as, as you know. Yeah, right. even though he missed the game-winning free throws in the game last <laughs> Shark, I, I got to <laughs> tell you, man, you hold these uh, our picks to a very high standard. If you're, if you're saying... If you're asking us, did, did you see what Nate Oates did against Chris Beard, who is arguably the best coach in the entire sport? That uh, well, I'm that's not a little saying, much. That's a little much. Why is I, that? Why is that much? Well, Elite I, eight I, to a fine to a, Hold on, I want to oh, unpack that just a little bit more too. Fine. I think he. You could argue. You could argue. It's like him, Tony Bennett, Jay Jay Wright of the past couple of years for Chris Beard. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Okay, sure. And, okay. okay, so let's okay, let's, let's unwind a little bit here because what the fuck has Nate Oates ever done? He just stepped in after Bobby Hurley left, all right? And he happened to have these great players on his team, Massenberger, all these other guys that were on the team. They knew how to play. They knew how to play Hurley ball, get up and down, get in each other's faces. And Nate Oates just walked his ass right in there and did it for two more years, and all of a sudden he's down in Tuscaloosa with a great job. What did so Chris you're saying, Beard do? Well, we'll compare so, that to Chris Beard. Chris Beard – was working out in the boonies with uh, where was he at? Western Kentucky, no, Arkansas Little Rock. He was at Arkansas Little Rock, getting no, no, you know, helping hand while he was there. He leaves that job. He could have went anywhere else. He chose Texas Tech, Lubbock, Texas, the butthole of America. He goes there and he makes them into a, brings them to the finals. So I think that is the difference between a guy like Nate Oates who got bodied by a guy like Chris Beard in that game. I understand. No, I agree with you. There's a huge difference, actually. I don't think Nate Oates is on the same level as as a Chris Beard, but Nate Oates isn't coaching against a Chris Beard in the SEC. But that being said, uh, I did not pick Nate Oates, so I'll let you defend that as well, Taylor. Hey, I'm going to stand by my pick. It's the first game. These are just kids. Okay, let's remember that these are just kids. All right, and we have a lot of room and improvement before conference play starts. That's what it's just. I'm going to leave it at right there. So are you saying, wait, Shark? Shark, are you saying that Nate Oates is the uh, is the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The uh, poor man's Kevin Ollie in a way. Not even that. I, I <laughs> Nate, Nate Oates. I mean, I mean, like the yeah. like the the poorest of poor man's Kevin Ollie. Yeah, it's just like the vagabonds man of Kevin Ollie. <laughs> anything, but and, and you just said that you're not ready to give up on that pick of Nate Oates to win the SEC championship of the year. This is just advice, to coach. You. Coach of the year, coach, okay, of, the year. coach of the year. Yeah, give, give up on that pick right now. <laughs> you, you shouldn't have any hope. I don't think there's any ever been an SEC coach of the year that lost to Penn at home in his very first game. <laughs> I don't think it's happening at this point. Senior laden ball club there, Penn oh. is. Without so, looking at the roster, I'm just assuming it it is. So, can, <laughs> can we also just real quick spend some time on Fred Hoiberg? What a terrible homecoming back to college basketball. Jesus, UC Riverside, dude, at home. That that looks like the most depressing place in the entire country at that particular moment. Was Pinnacle Bank Arena or whatever their arena is called? Dead quiet, getting absolutely bodied by UC Riverside with Fred Hoiberg as your coach, who has had quite a bit of success as a college coach. And then he, he comes back. You're expecting 
at, le- at least to win that uh, and and some sort of improvement from Tim Miles. And Tim, Tim Miles could have done that. Tim Miles has done that. I mean, a lot of people mentioned them as kind of like a outside surprise team that maybe be kind of decent because they had some good coaching now. And that clearly was put to rest on November 5th, the first day of the college basketball season. Unless there's some vast improvement on that, that is going to be way out of the door of any uh, in the realm of possibility. See, I'm on the other side. You got to give Freddie some time here. To, what Tim Miles did, he was he went all in to save his job last year. And by going all in, he just brought in transfers that would have one sure. more year of eligibility to hang on. And that left the roster just a, a dumpster fire at the end. Now, Hoiberg, I mean, I, I, I'm a big Hoiberg guy. I go back to that 2014 year when Iowa State was my pick uh, to go to the wasn't it everybody's pick at least one of those couple years in there? Yeah, I, don't know. I, I was hard on Iowa State. This was George Niang right as he fractured his foot. He fractures his foot. They go to Madison Square Garden. They play UConn, uh, Kemba Walker, and the rest. Of, actually, Shabazz Napier, wasn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Kemba was doing yeah. the pros at that point. It yeah. was. Um, and DeAndre Kane was on Iowa State. Hoiberg had the boys fired. Oh, God, what a team that was. What a team. And really, they um, – it's never been replicated since. No, I, I think Hoiberg will end up turning this program around to an extent. Oh, I agree. But, but I agree. Very, I agree. But, but the very first game, you got to win that to, to instill any sort of confidence. So Fred Hoiberg luckily has that track record at Iowa State. We'll see what he ends up doing there in, in Nebraska. And that because you know what Nebraska's fans are probably thinking, and they're far more invested into the football team, but they were hyped on Scott Frost coming back. And it hasn't necessarily panned out at this point. Quite yet. Quite yet. yet. Quite yet. Obviously, they're going to give them some more time. So there might be a little bit of PTSD there. Uh, Some other news and notes. Another sketchy game, our boy Wild Bill Sprout and Utah State. They beat Montana State, but Utah State, ranked number 17 at home, did not necessarily impress. You know I'm a big, big Sky fan. So let me tell you a little bit about the big Sky here. Montana and Eastern Washington were both picked to win the Big Sky, as they almost always are in that conference. Montana State was picked seventh in the Big Sky. Uh, We're watching an Arizona-NAU game currently, and I think NAU was picked higher in the Big Sky than Montana State was, and they took Utah State down to the absolute wire last night. I think, you know, I will say, though, the the number one team that came to my mind when I looked at the preseason rankings of of the who's ranked too high type of deal was Utah State. Whereas I like Utah State. I think they have an awesome home court advantage. They actually, their basketball and football programs actually mirror each other really well. They're kind of sneaky good. They're really great teams to bet on for covers in sports. But when you get up to like the 17th ranked team in the country, you don't bet on the 17th ranked team in the country to like cover six point and seven point spreads against shitty teams. Those are like you're betting on them. You need to win those games by 25 points or more, not like being taken down to the wire by Montana, the Montana states of the world. Shout out Montana State Bobcats, though. Yeah, uh, all I know is Utah State didn't do a good job of covering for me against Washington in the first round of the tournament last year. So. Until they prove me otherwise, they're dead to me. <laughs> um, do they still have the the, the shooting guard um, that scores like thirty points a game? I'm not familiar with Utah State. Um, give me a minute. Give me. Merrill, Merrill, Merrill. Yeah, Merrill, I, mean, I, be- I, be- Merrill, I believe yeah. I believe that's why they are ranked where they yeah, are. That's, right that's now. the only logical explanation. And I'll tell you what's going to happen right now. They're going to be a five seed. They're going to get matched up with the power five, twelve seed, and they're going to get the. Oh, absolutely. They're, they're, they're the perfect, even though last year they didn't cover, they're the perfect 12 seed to take a five seed. They're the perfect five seed to be beat by the 12 seed, though, as well. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then another quick note. I, I, this is just very selfish of me, but an unranked team in Nevada, Alfred opens up the season. Steve Alfred open up, opens up the season with a loss at home to Utah. Uh, breaking their home winning streak. They haven't lost in uh, in Nevada since I think mid 2017, maybe 2018. I think it was an 18 game winning streak. I think at home and leave it to Steve Alford to just completely undo all of Muscle Milk's 
great work. Obviously, God, he sucks. He yeah. sucks so obviously, bad. Obviously, they're missing some of their best players from last year, of course. But ever since they got eviscerated by Florida in the first round, it's been downhill for the Wolfpack. Subi, what did you think about that St. Mary's Wisconsin game yesterday? Could have been the best game of the day yesterday. I was just I was just sitting there saying, what the fuck, St. Mary's? Like, do not give a very quality win to a Wisconsin team who could be on the bubble come. come oh, they the know they the will. Season. Yeah, they'll be there'll be a couple of those Big Ten teams, and there'll be one of them right there on the bubble. And then, of and course, that, every that, single, that probably would have put them over the top if they would have ended up winning. Yeah, that game. exactly. And of course, every single Wisconsin player looks alike. They look like a villain in a ski movie. Uh, but oh man, Mary, that game! That game you needed you needed uh, sunglasses to watch that game because that was probably the whitest game of any ranked team last night. It was terrible. So I'm glad St. Mary's ended up winning that game, but it w- it would have just been so Wisconsin to somehow win that. I- I'm surprised they didn't. Uh, and then these last couple notes here tonight, Georgetown, they won, but holy shit, they looked terrible for about 33 minutes. I appreciate you because I picked Georgetown. I didn't pick them. I suggested them maybe as the maybe last big East team that could make the tournament. I am really happy that you went ahead and texted me when they were down a million and a half about Georgetown being bad because that you fired them up and came back and, and brought them back up to, to a victory. Not an awesome start to the season for them, but let's rally behind the comeback. Rally behind the comeback. Definitely not an awesome start for them. I, I, In our Big East preview, I was saying that it was either them or Creighton or one other team that was not going – like not all three of those teams were going to make the tournament. And I think I may have alluded to Georgetown being that odd man out of the Big East. A really bad performance at home uh, against Mount St. Mary's. And then – I mean, your boy McClung did not have a great game either. No, Shark. no, uh, no. Shark. Yeah. I was uh, going to ask you. I mean, to give McClung time. I mean, uh, <laughs> what, do you, what, do you, what do you want to happen here? I, I fucking sophomore. Let's go. Georgetown, You're to be the guy. Know, I, I live outside of DC, so there's actually a lot of excitement for Georgetown this year. That transfer that they got from NC State, Yurt Steven, uh, good ball player. I always go back to the one game I went to against Seton Hall last year when. Um, I know I told the story on the podcast when some fool sitting behind me was adamant that Jesse Govan was going to be a first round pick. And I, I was just so outraged by his opinion that I gave him $5 just for the, the, the ignorance that he had. But this guy, Yurt Steven, is actually going to be better than Joe, Jesse Govan. So I was happy to see him pull it out. They won by 13, right? They had a, they had a bad stretch. You just happened to be paying attention during that bad stretch and that magnified for what it was. 33 minutes. I think they I think they ended up losing or, or excuse me turning the Jets on with like 7 minutes to go. They won yeah, by, get, they won by 13. And McClung, my boy, was 6 of 9 shooting 2 of 4 from 3, 16 points, no two turnovers. Like, what universe are you in? Empty stats. Empty stats were the game when the when it was in a W in a W in a W. So in a W. Your beard's an empty stat. Look, I want I want Ewing to to be successful. I want to see Georgetown be successful. The game is better when they're good. Just not a very good performance tonight. Uh, so I was going to say. So what do we think about maybe? Do you have a, a freshman from last night that maybe put together the best performance of of the evening of a newcomer? Maybe like a James Wiseman. It was James Wiseman, hundred percent. Twenty eight, eleven, three blocks. An absolute freak. Uh, actually. Shark, you might be off the the hook with your Zion take because we had Mason on it to discuss Memphis and the incoming class, and he was very apprehensive. I, maybe not very apprehensive. He was cautiously apprehensive about James Wiseman, and I think at the half, Wiseman had like 18 and 12. 20. Or, or, he had 20 at half, I think. 20? Yeah. It can't I be 12, so. actually. He finished with 11 rebounds. So, like, I think he had 20 and 8. At, at the half, yeah, so, I don't know. I don't even know why he's trying to be cautiously optimistic. At least I made this my opinion. My uh, my um, Preston Preston was <laughs> Preston Blake. Preston you're Blake just, on the you're standing on the mountain. Yeah, I did it for a, a six foot six fat guy. I mean James Wiseman. I don't know what the hell Mason's thinking here. This guy's seven foot one, just a monster out there. I mean, I at least had some you know 
rational thoughts behind it. And I, you know, I don't want to brag right now, but I'm kind of right. You know, the body's already breaking down. He's 21 years old. Hasn't even suited up for one game as a Pelican. He's not even you, 21. You, He's like 19. Do you realize yeah. Do you realize this is a college basketball show? I don't care what pe- – like, you're talking to me about aim higher than Malik Monk. Malik Monk, obviously, is a bad player for the Hornets. He wasn't at Kentucky, though. Whatever. So I have another suggestion of maybe the freshman of the night last night, though. Someone that's going to have to have a step-up type of performance if this team is going to be as good as they're predicted. And it's Jeremiah Robinson Earl, a 24-13 and 13 in a big Villanova blowout win last night. But that's a really, really good introduction to college basketball. And it's, and it, it's what Villanova is going to need out of him. He's not going to need 24-13 and 13 every night, but he's going to need big performances like that for Villanova to live up to that 10 uh, preseason ranking. Sweet. What about Archie Diakono's little brother? How do you do? Did he see oh wow! Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think away. he saw the. I don't think he saw the floor. I would. <laughs> I would guess not. If not, he probably scored thirty-five. Speaking that's, of that's my guy, speaking of freshmen though, and these are performances from last night. Cole Anthony tonight. Oh, ball player, ball ball player. Absolutely the real deal. You apprehensive on him too? Not sure. at all. Yeah, <laughs> not at all. I, I mean, that's my point. Like you, Cole Anthony is going to destroy. Louisville, if they played each other, if that game's being played in the Dean Dome, Cole Anthony plus the normal crop of UNC talent that they had, plus the guys that are developing on the sixth, seventh, eighth guys off the bench, Cole Anthony's the best player in the country. I mean, that guy, that guy was incredible tonight. Like, he was awesome. Thir- he was awesome. Thir- 34, 11, and five led the team in points, rebounds, and assists tonight. Holy shit, as a freshman. And that's only scoring. Greg Thank- Anthony's son. But think about this, though, okay? So it's not like a lot of these other guys got these type of stats, or not even these type of stats, but, like, their big stats against shitty teams in, like, 100-point wins, right? Or wins that they scored 100 points in. UNC only scored 76 points last night, and or tonight. And Cole Anthony had 34 of them and assisted on at least 10 more of them. If not, you know, depending on how many threes they hit in that. That's a huge chunk of their 76 points that Cole Anthony had a part in. He's just one of those guys. You, you can watch him for five minutes and automatically tell that he's going to be a phenomenal NBA player. And the other yeah, ones that come to mind are that in his role, I would say uh, John Wall, Derek Rose, playing that position just so much faster, so much quicker, so much skill. And then he, he was lighting it up shooting from three, and his stroke was beautiful too it was like a nice andrea bocelli on a crisp december night uh it was wonderful speaking well, of which I mean, your, your boy nico Mannion. yeah he's playing well right now that's zeke, that's gonna be my guy that's your guy that's gonna be my guy yeah hey zeke naji zeke naji put it in a lot of work here tonight for arizona as well surprise player in the pac-12 as we're i believe we predicted if, if we're talking strictly point guards though i'm glad you're on the 100 percent. Uh, who wouldn't want to be on the nico train come he's on a, he's an awesome ginger the Solely ginger. because he's italian and and he looks ridiculous That's so, I, I was actually up by his mom and dad's house today i should have swung by and said what's up gray hawk what's up yeah mom <laughs> Mom, mom might actually be wheelhouse, to be honest with you. Wow. Actually, she kind of is. She yeah. kind of is for you. For you. Oh, for you. Yeah. I mean, I have to tell you, that wheelhouse is getting a little crowded. You might have to start making a few more cuts. <laughs> Maybe make an age limit? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> that... well, I mean, I do have a limit. It's probably around the high 50s, low 60s. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, okay. Nico's mom has at least a full decade in the wheelhouse, I guess, then, I think, at this point. Absolutely. So, Cole Anthony, Nico Mannion, real deals. Let's move on to hugs and round it out there. But before we do that, a quick message from the Barnburner Podcast Network. All right. Let's finish it up with hugs here. Taylor, I'll start with you. So, I was going to give my hug to uh, Marcus Howard because he became Marquette's all-time leading scorer last night after he scored 38 points. But because the Shark has returned, I and this is a college basketball podcast, I get that. But I just want to give my hug to Shark and the Washington Redskins because I don't even need to go into why. I just That's where my hug is going to stand. It's right there. It's just with him and his fanhood because I'm glad that he was able to come back around, find himself this summer, and I'm glad he's ready to be hurt again. Yeah. Oh, 
didn't really want that hug, but I'll take it reluctantly. <laughs> so thank you. Um, Shark, who's your really, hug for? It, yeah, it really is. <laughs> there, there's nothing really to say about the stings at this point. I, there's no, there's no light at the end of the tunnel. It's rock bottom after rock bottom. The Scott Van Pelt speech he did on sports center was like poetry to my ears, but my hug to get to the point here, my hug is going to go to Greg Paulus, the uh, esteemed former Duke point guard. He was just today announced that he was going to be the permanent head coach of Niagara. Uh, and Greg Paulus, I think if you were played basketball growing up uh, and you had, happen to not never be that good, but really cared about the game. And you watch Greg Paulus on TV playing with all these phenomenal athletes. He was the goal. I, I can't believe he's doing that. And then at the same time, Greg Paulus was also, the, you know, the all American quarterback that everybody loved. And then he, once he finished playing at Duke, he was allowed to go to Syracuse and play a little bit more there. And then he finishes his career and then he goes and coaches with coach K at the end of the bench. And now he's going to get to pick the upstart college basketball program somewhere in bumfuck New York and turn it around like you're playing an NCAA college basketball game and you're getting your own recruits and you're hoping you're, you're simming the seasons and all that, but you're, you're changing the culture. He's literally living the dream. And this chapter of this dream is start coaching at Niagara. So I'll be paying close attention to them. This is actually the second hug that we've given as it relates to Greg Paulus. I gave a hug for all of us because I knew that there was going to be a slow ascension of, of Greg Paulus because he was pegged as the interim coach and we're not even a week into the season and they gave him the permanent spot. So it's only a matter of time before we look up and Greg Paulus is like taking Josh Pastner's job at Georgia Tech in a year and a half, two years. And the reason I gave all of us a hug is because if you grew up watching college basketball, you know how much you hate Greg Paulus who was a part jealousy because he was able to be a starting quarterback at Syracuse and also the starting point guard at Duke, but also because he was just another Duke smug asshole. So yeah, Greg Paul is now a head coach permanently. How much are the Woges, the Capels, the Hurleys of the world going to be pissed when Kay retires and and they hire Greg Paulus? I don't know if that'll, I feel like they're going to go with Shire. Shire is gonna gonna stick it out. No, that's job. that's probably almost worse. <laughs> Who's your hug for, Subi? I'm gonna round it out with a hug for a student at the University of Oklahoma. Didn't bother to check his name, but he won a free he won free tuition by hitting a half court shot. I mean, he swished it. No bank, no rim, nothing. Buttermilk pancakes. So enjoy that free tuition at Oklahoma. You guys enjoy the rest of this week's games. We will see you next time. We're back, fellas. Let's keep let's keep getting better. That's all we can ask for at this point is continue to get better.